What would you do if we poked you in the axiom? The purpose, to ask questions and engage in dialogue about subjects that we call axioms. An axiom, a statement or proposition which is regarded as being established, accepted, or self-evidently true. These are the underpinnings of our thought, our belief, and the ways that we live out our lives. A question, an examination, to determine the validity and or meaning. Dialogue, the process of determination, the process of our examination. Welcome. Welcome to what you, what we, what would you do if we poked you in the axiom? We're still getting used to our, we're still getting our feet under us over here. So uh, we are glad that you are with us today, constant listener. Thank you. Thank you for being with us. Once again, my name is Malcolm Fowler. To my left, Thomas Barton. And to my right, Mike Dion. And so we are with you today for freedom, for freedom. That is our axiom that we are putting on the table before us. And so we have gone over uh, what we did last time. We've gone over our last episode and we were semi-impressed and semi-not impressed. We felt like we were a little all over the place, but we, we had some good good questions. We had some good dialogue. We had some, some really good thoughts there. And one of the things that we're going to, we're going to jump right in today, this afternoon or this morning, whatever it is when you are listening to us, we are going to jump right in with a question about freedom, something that we brought up at our last episode, but we didn't really delve into it. We didn't really get into it too, too much. And so I'm just going to throw the question out there uh, for, uh, for these two guys that are here with me, and we're going we're gonna to tumble that question around a little bit. Where does freedom come from? Where does freedom come from? That's our question that we're going to start with today. Go for it, Thomas. <laughs> Where does freedom come from? So there's kind of three things that come to mind. Freedom, uh, if freedom is given to us, right? There'd be a giver of freedom, like in the Declaration of Independence, talks about, you know, uh, nature and nature's God was the terminology used there. Uh, so we are given freedom by, uh, by divine right. Uh, second, it could be, you know, human nature. We could look at human nature and say, uh, maybe it's something inherent to a human being that there's this drive, uh, for freedom inside of us. And third, I would say if we wanted to look in a purely materialistic sense, and this was probably the one that would give the most, uh, difficulty, is that it's bestowed upon us by governments. Right? If there's no uh, metaphysical human nature or no divine right giver, uh, do we have freedom as a happenstance of evolution? Um, is it a biological drive, much like the drive to reproduce? Or is it just something that is, the state bestows upon us and says, you know, you have, you have liberty for A, B, and C? Can I ask what you, of those three? I think it's, a, it's given to us by God. That's what I think. I think that we probably, if this was a multiple choice test, I think I would have been able to pick the right answer there. <laughs> yeah. for, what would Thomas say? Yeah. <laughs> well, what, so that, that poses some interesting challenges. I mean, I guess it comes back to you know, freedom in a metaphysical sense, freedom in a physical lack of bounds, freedom in uh, uh, rights kind of sense, uh, because it's, it's difficult to 
look at the citizens of North Korea and say, God has made you free. I, you know, obviously, I think there's some layers to that. Like truth and onions and ogres. Uh, <laughs> Freedom also has layers. <laughs> that's going to be a t-shirt at some point. We'll, we'll get a layer, an onion. Surprise, surprise. We're finding that these axioms that we keep poking have these layers. <laughs> they kind of overlap. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Sorry, Mike. Keep going. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess I'm, I'm curious, uh, you know, looking at that, that concept in terms of if God is granting us freedom, what do we say to the unjust prisoner and what do we say to those living in oppression? God doesn't like you or... <laughs> yeah. That sounds like a poke. <laughs> maybe it is. I don't know. Well, no, it's a valid one. It is. And that's what, I mean, that's what we're, that's what we're here to do. Yeah. Do you want to take the poke or do you want me to... I mean, <laughs> if, if so, if freedom is given in the theological sense of free will, I mean, and we're trespassing upon the grounds of uh, theodicy, which is... Um, you want to define that for us all? Yes. Uh, theodicy is um, the school of theological thought that deals basically with the problem of evil and how can their evil exist with a good God. A lot of times free will is a basis for um, why evil exists, basically to create creatures capable of freedom. Uh, you have to allow for the misuse of freedom. So we could say, well, to that, to that prisoner in North Korea, well, the exercise of people more powerful than you have taken your freedom away. So God hasn't taken your freedom away. God's creatures who are free to abuse freedom have abused their freedom in taking your freedom away. Yes. But inherently, you sort of have some freedom baked in, except you just don't. And this is why, and I, we don't need to jump into it right off, but this yeah. is why I, you know, brought up last time of like freedom as a state of being. Mm, yeah. But I mean, it is, it is, all of these things pose problems, right? Because even if you're looking at just as, you know, something in our nature, right? That we're just free because we're human beings. Well, we also see that people take that freedom away all the time. There yeah. are people who are not living freely. And that was one thing that we had talked about last time with, or <laughs> I feel like I was sort of strident in my opinion about it and saying that, uh, that freedom is really flawed and that we seem to be the flaw in so much of that equation that, uh, cause your, your point, Mike is really valid is how in the world am I supposed to say to somebody who's living in a really oppressive system, or at least from the outside looking in to us, it looks really oppressive, right? Which is fair. Uh, how am I supposed to say to them, you're free. You just, what, you just don't realize it? You just, uh, I You're mean, free and Jesus loves you. Have a good day. <laughs> <laughs> good day. Be warm and well fed while you're at it. Uh, yeah. No, <laughs> oh, thank sorry, you. sorry. No, 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 no. That's a, that was, I think that was probably the appropriate use of that. Yeah. Uh, so how, do, how am I supposed to, how am I supposed to, to frame it for that? And, and this is the thing about freedom that I, I, I agree with you, Thomas, that there is something about freedom that goes beyond just our material state. I think that, and I think there has to be, it, there has to be for our, for our sense of ourself, for our sense of our place in this world. And I think that what we find with freedom when it comes to the, comes to, comes to the working out of it is that, is that it, it gets tied into the material world in, in, in so many really easy ways 
which I think is sometimes the danger of of that third option that you would you had brought up about uh, is it um, hold on look at what I wrote down the oh, state the, the state right yeah so that it's this material thing that the state that the state gives uh, because if you tie it to if you tie it to that too closely and I think it is it, it is tied to that but if you tie it to it too closely I think that's when we we begin to I think that's when the word rights comes into play uh, when we begin we begin crying out for this thing that we are saying is a right, which may may or may not necessarily be a right. And and I'm not saying that that I'm not saying that, that would be would would be something that we would say to the North Koreans uh, who are living under a dictator, right? And, right. And, and and say like, well, what right do you really have? <laughs> the state says you're not free and you know they're the giver and taker of freedom. So yeah. But it's when we venture into that territory of how are we going to work this thing out? And I think that, that you rightly identify that at the very least, the way that we are created or we have evolved, however you want to look at it, there is a draw, a, a need and a, a – well, I'll just go back to draw so I don't stumble over things again. There's a draw. There's a draw. Uh, <laughs> to be sure. To be sure. There's to a be draw sure. For a sense of, of autonomy – in that I can make certain decisions for myself. Um, and yeah, when you look at the way that the state will, will play into that one way or another, you know, the state is going to pass laws. Sometimes that's a restrictive uh, thing that we agree with and other times we don't. And I think maybe there's, there's a, a thing. Um, it's a piece of it. Yeah. The working out of it and the agreeing upon what it is that we should have and shouldn't have as a freedom. Well, go ahead. No, go ahead. Finish your thought. Well, I was, was going to say, if, if we agree with all the laws, then we feel free whether we really are or not. Yeah. If we disagree, then we suddenly feel oppressed. Yeah. Well, that's what you see. So, like, when we disagree, we petition the government or people right. protest. Peacefully. Peacefully, hopefully. We have a system. Yeah, mostly peaceful. <laughs> well, yeah. And sometimes the system works and sometimes it doesn't, right? But I think when, what we see in that is a recognition that the government has overstepped some type of boundary. Mm. And I think most of us, most of us, at least in this country, um, probably in the majority of the Western world, we act as if freedom is something inherent. We don't really act as if it is given to us by the government, even, well, I mean, some statists uh, may. But... You wouldn't see rebellion. You wouldn't see revolution. You wouldn't see protest. You wouldn't see people getting upset. They're like, well, the government gives us to us anyway. So, you know, the government gives, the government takes away. You see, <laughs> you see in people's actions that uh, it's not the government's role. And I think that that's, that's something to the danger of, 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 of making freedom something that is too focused upon the state, right? Because then now you're, now you're sort of a slave to it because you'll, do, you'll submit to it in order for it to grant to you something, right? And, and who knows how far that will go. It can go pretty. It can go pretty it has pretty gone. far. And, well, and, and, and again, something that was brought up last time, History, history kind of points to governments becoming oppressive systems, 
at some point in time. Um, I don't know that I don't know that we can we can point to a place where it's it's been it's been perfectly enacted. I think the problem is is that to ensure uh, the liberty of a people, you need a government powerful enough to ensure the liberty of the people. But with power comes corruption. Yeah. And, you know, it's that old saying, you know, who's, uh, who's power for, you know, whoever's willing to stoop low enough to pick it up. Say that again. I've never heard that. You never heard that? Say no. it one more time. Power is there for the, whoever's willing to stoop low enough to pick it up. That is, yeah. So when I hear that, I hear sort of a humbling servant mentality. But I don't know that that's what that is referring to. No, it's basically saying to. like the person who's willing to go. Who's willing to get dirty? Who's willing to get dirty. And, okay, yeah. okay. All right. See, I was applying my own sort of framework to it. Yeah, you're just being you know, a better human being than the person who made that quote. <laughs> maybe a better, maybe, but maybe not as perceptive as maybe, the person yeah, who, who had made the quote. Well, and it's, and it's kind of, that's why, you know, Plato, it's like the person, you know, who do you not want in power? The person who wants power. Oh, yeah. Right. Like you should, I don't like voting for president because no, he wants to be president. He wants to be president, right. And that makes me worry. So you go and you find the guy who wants nothing to do with it, and you force that guy. <laughs> you have no freedom. You, you know, you have for the good of the state, you have to, you know. The reluctant leader. Yeah, the reluctant yeah. leader. Well, and I, again, not that I want to glorify any of our founding fathers overly much, but I think that that was one thing that is, in a sense, noble or honorable about somebody like George Washington who said, no, I'm going to step away. He could have been king. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's... In perpetuity or, or at least till death. Yeah. I mean, whatever else you want to say about that guy, he refused to that power. Right, right, yeah. Oh, well, we can, we can, we're willing to pick some things out of people and say that was something that was noble. Yeah. And, and be able to identify and say, well, maybe not some other stuff, but... Because the line between good and evil runs through every human heart. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, um, let's, let's go to, again, that, that question of, of where does freedom come, come from? We've got on the table for us the three three very good options that that we could we could talk a lot about that it comes from a divine place that it comes from something that is just within our human nature or that it comes from the state can we can we say that the state plays an important role in the use of freedom maybe that's the way to say it right yeah i mean there's certainly influence okay can we also say I I would I would deny that the state is is where freedom comes from in in that ultimate metaphysical sense. It, well, as as was already pointed out, like oh sorry, am I just? <laughs> well, I mean, I I I think it was you, but I didn't want to give you credit if it was Thomas. So oh okay okay. <laughs> that was I started to say as you, and then I'm like yeah, that's I don't know. I think it was you. Uh, you you pointed out like there are revolutions, there are people who that protest, and oh that was you. See Thomas over here. It's under his genius. The beards of are distracting. We just, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, like the government can pass laws, but that still happens, even when it's illegal to have a revolution or whatever. Like that still happens. That that indicates there must be freedom outside of what the state can grant. There's there's a, a human free will baked into that. Yeah. I mean, I definitely don't. Otherwise, otherwise you wouldn't have the breaking of laws. Right, right, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I definitely don't believe that 
freedom comes from the government. Right. I mean, at all. Um, <clears throat> and I, but there is obviously a role to play. And we talked about this last time about the government ideally being the guarantor of these inalienable rights that we the protector, the protector. Yeah. Um, and you know, as much as I would like to be maybe an anarchist, I'm not, I don't, (laughs) and I, and that's not because I think they're, you know, guys with whiskers and bombs. I understand philosophical anarchism, but eventually you're going to get to the point in a society where you're going to need to defend the freedom that you have discovered within that society. And I mean, so I don't care if you have a, a chieftain or, uh, you know, some type of council, as soon as you do that, well, now you have a government. Right. So, you know, anarchos, without rulers, you will at one point have people in the position to rule over you because human beings are corrupt. And what, even if they start off as servants, eventually they will not be. I mean, look at the judges in ancient Israel. So, again, freedom... <laughs> Freedom has this very difficult piece to it, which is the practice of it, I think. I think that, that and I don't, I don't want to get, get too far away from our, our question of where does it come from, because we've got those other two options for us, the, something inherent in our human nature or that it's, it's something from the divine. But again, when we look at the state, and it's very easy to see, whether it be from the fact that we have laws that can get broken uh, or whether it is from oppressive governments uh, or, you know, the progression of a government to go from something that is acceptable to something that is unacceptable, uh, that I don't think it comes from, I don't think it comes from that. I think, I don't think it comes from that place because that, that, because government is, 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 is the organizational piece of a society, right? Of a culture or of a people. So, I don't know, what, what's, is that putting the cart before the horse there in saying that, like, this thing that we have created, right, this government, is the thing that guarantees it to us? Because the government is just, it's just the way that we organize ourselves. <laughs> or, that, or that somebody else has organized ourselves. Well, then, I mean, that's, then it'd get, yeah, it'd be kind, kind of circular and self-refuting, it's like, well, that's so what I I'm mean. giving myself freedom. We are giving ourselves freedom by creating this thing, which will then take away our freedom. I, I think it may be our I attempt I am my own damn at, God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think it may be our attempt at um, organizing it or uh, putting, putting bounds on it that we agree. Well, actually, you talked about the, the common – I always mess it up. The common humanity. The common humanity. The common humanity where when we establish government – we're trying to like outline this common humanity and say these these are the boundaries where again it's a recognized thing and not necessarily a created thing versus when you look at a human you know you well your shirt did you wear that on purpose by the way you can't take the sky from me <laughs> I mean, I, I, I purposely put it on this morning, but I didn't purposely put it on because of this. Well, yeah. <laughs> you got dressed with the intention of getting dressed? <laughs> it seems to be the acceptable form of, <laughs> of thing to do. Uh, okay, so, yeah, so Mike just made a reference to a shirt that I'm wearing. That, that those, of us who, those of you out there, constant listeners, you, you, you can't see my shirt. So it says, it says, you can't take the sky from me. 
Um, and because we love to make references, uh, and I love to make references to pop culture, so it's from it's from Firefly, which was which was a, a show for one season. Short lived. Yeah. Thank you, Fox. <laughs> that was one of the saddest things in uh, my late youth when that show got canceled. Oh gosh, it was just. That's when I stopped uh, trusting um, television programs. <laughs> That's a good point to stop. <laughs> right? That's a good yeah, point how to could stop. You, how could you do this to me? How could you take away Firefly? I thought, I thought you loved me. <laughs> yeah, I thought, right? You don't love me, Fox? <laughs> That's good. I think everybody needs to go through that at some point in time and recognizing that, that media outlets don't actually love them. They don't. They don't. Except us. Except us here. We love you. We love you. <laughs> because without you, constant listener, why would we do this? We probably still would on some level. I'd be talking to myself if you guys weren't here. <laughs> so, okay, okay, back yeah. to the, back so to the shirt. So, sure. so I'm wearing a shirt so that says, you can't take the sky from me. Because So it is, it is a good reference, right? Because that was something that was really inherent to the show was, uh, was, was the characters living in this sort of Old West style out on the fringes of something and, and sort of trying to live away from, away from this oppressive government. Yeah. And, and, and trying to trying to live the li- their lives the way they thought best and the way that they wanted to live their lives. But isn't it interesting in the show, they keep getting entangled with all these different subplots, which makes for a good television show, but is also a lot like life. Right. We oftentimes are just, I just want to live my life. I just want to go about my life. And then I seem to continually find myself entangled in other people's lives. And that's, I think... Which is sort of the heart of government. Right. That's How am I going to tangle my lives in some sort of organized way? And one could say that that's even the necessity of some type. I hate that I'm... I'll say it. I'll say it. The necessity of some type of government. Thank you, Malcolm, for saying that for me. I sacrificed for you. Thank you. I appreciate that, brother. Um, because you have, to, you have to deal with a multitude of persons. Right. And, 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 base, and you have to deal with a multitude of persons who deep down at heart probably, if we're honest, really want what's best for themselves. So can I use that as a transition to the freedom coming from some sort of human nature? Yeah. Because if people, and a lot of people are, out for their own interests, I wonder about altruism sometimes. And the place, the, the source of it, where does that come from in somebody's heart? Because if people are really out for their own interests, that does bump into somebody else's personhood pretty quickly. Um, <laughs> and it becomes a form of oppression. Even so, on a micro yeah, scale. Yeah. Whether it be a, a gun or a persuasive argument. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or running a business. <laughs> or what am I going to pay my employees? You know, the more I pay them, the less I have. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that, that piece of oppression, like bumping into somebody's personhood, uh, I mean, let's face it, there's a lot of things that we call man-made wonders in this world that were built with slavery. Hmm. Yeah. Except the pyramids, that was all aliens. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That that crazy guy with the Greek name and the hair, he told me that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank so, you. so the the jump off into the into the freedom in human nature. Go if, ahead. If I th- I think that you you get very quickly also entangled if it, if freedom is inherent 
Oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> freedom is inherent in human nature. Um, if you believe that there is a creator of some sort, then doesn't that then make the creator the giver of the freedom because he's programmed us this way? Even if we're taking freedom to come from human nature? Yeah. That would... You would also have to assume that there was a creator in that argument. I don't... I think that that would... That's a good poke, right? Yeah. Because... Because if we are created, then the things that we are created with came from the creator, right? Of course, then you get into the sin conversation. That's, and, you the, know, that's right. the other part of that. But, but like Thomas had said, in order to create freedom, you have to, you have to allow for, or at least, at least we would understand, you have to allow for the, right, for the, the misuse of, of it. So let me, let me flip that around then. If, if exclude a creator... If we exclude a creator okay. and say that it's that there's a human nature aspect to freedom, uh, just e- even at the very sense that like we each have our own will, we're not a hive mind. We we each have whatever the thing is that we want and decide to pursue. Uh, even even in prison, right? Like you, you still get to take prison, books out of the library. Yeah, you get to choose which book you're going to read and uh, or not read and whatever. Is this true? <laughs> <laughs> It is true up to a point, yeah. The up books that they point. allow you to choose from. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, don't, they don't allow you to uh, take out How to Escape from Prison in 30 Days? No, I never saw that one in there. Uh, that's too bad. Um, so uh, I lost where I was going with it. Oh, oh, the evo- like, not even necessarily evolutionary. Like, just I- excluding a creator, what would that say about freedom if, if freedom is inherent in who we are? Like, why do we have a free will? Or why do we have a will that we assume is free? It, 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 why aren't we a hive mind? Why, why do we exist? Uh-oh. What is real? 42. Uh, <laughs> I, I think you're bringing up... Careful, Mike. We don't want to send you into, like, <laughs> into the mouth of madness too much. He's twitching. He's twitching. <laughs> I think you bring up a great point. It's a good poke for just, you know, if we don't have a creator and it's still inherent to our nature, well, how, how is it there? And I, this is why I brought up... Uh, Sam Harris and other hard determinists last time. Actually, I want to correct. He's not a biological determinist. That's a different school of thought. He's a hard determinist. And I'm making that point to anyone out there who would be, uh, going to be like, oh, that's, you, you got that wrong last time. Uh, but anyways, Sam Harris is a determinist. Daniel Dennett and others. Um, that's why I brought that up, because they don't believe we have free will, mm-hmm. because they are pure materialists. So... They look at, you know, from that lens, it's like, well, if I'm just looking at the material facts, I can't say that there is free will. So even if we were going to say, you know, okay, there's no creator, there's no giver, but there's still this thing called freedom inherent to human nature. We're still talking about metaphysics. Mm. So it's spiritual aspect. Not that I need to defend Dennett, right? That was his last name? Daniel Dennett, yeah. Daniel Dennett or Sam Harris. Daniel Dennett goes so far as to say we don't even have consciousness. Well, okay. Yeah. Can you be unconscious and make that statement? (laughs) (laughs) Can you consciously say that you don't have a consciousness? Or can you unconsciously say that there is no consciousness? I feel like you would probably need to have some sort of consciousness in order to recognize something in there. This is, we'll, we'll have to do a, 
a podcast on, on consciousness. Oh gosh, I, I hope we. Yeah, we do. <laughs> we, yeah, that's. It wasn't on our initial list, but it's there. Yeah. It should be there. Um, uh, I was going to say uh, the the determinist, right? And to say that we don't have free will. There's again to to, to sort of throw a, a, a di- sort of different side to it. There's some some school of thought in, in 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 Christian circles to sort of affirm something in that, and to say that that we are 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 slaves of our passions, of our of our wants and our desires and things like that. Um, you know, the words that the Christian would use would be sin. So we right. become slaves to those things, and so in a if when you push that to its to its outer boundaries, you begin to get into a into the into the realm of of saying. Are we? Do we have free will, as unrepentant, un, unsaved, unsaved person? Do we? Do we have even free will? So it's not even. Ju- it's not even just a a, a biological uh, determinist or a hard determinist. And I, I don't know what the what the difference is there, but um, but but that's 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 something that that even theological schools could could come to at some point in time. Now I don't think I don't think you rest there. I don't think the, I don't think that you stay at that point. I don't mean, and, and also I don't think that those theological schools negate choice from the matter. Like they, like even if they say your no. will, your will is in, in, is is that is that one thing that the that the the biological determinants or hard determinants would? Well, I don't think that they remove choice in the terms of fault, but like you're not free in your actions. Okay. You know what I mean? So like, even though like the theological schools of thought that so, you know you, you you don't really have a free will until you come to Christ because you're completely enslaved to sin. You're still guilty of your choices. Yeah. And I don't think Sam Harris would argue, you know, you're not guilty of your choices. But he would say that it's not, you know, true freedom because it's all predetermined by biology and genetics, environment. Environment. All. And yeah. that's like a biological ter- determinist doesn't view environment at all. Sam Harris views environment. That's the difference between... Oh, okay. okay. That's why I want to make that distinction for people. Um, but even then, like, that's why, you know, with, like, even super hard Calvinists, I'm like, I think thou doth uh, protest too much. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because if you have absolutely no free will at all, well, you're not responsible. Yeah. You have no responsibility for any of your actions. So that's just, a, I mean, just in general, isn't that just a good argument for the existence of this thing that we're talking about? I think so. I, like, <laughs> if we, if we, if we, and if we view human, well, that's what the insanity argument. That's why people get off on things on insanity because they're not responsible. I very rarely buy that argument. I don't. I don't either. But we have it. We have legal yeah. precedent. Yeah. That there is there are states of mind in which a person is not responsible for their action, and the but the fact that most of the time that people, we look at them and say, well, you're responsible for your, your actions. We're, by saying that, we're saying, well, then they must have a free will. They must have at least a will unbounded enough to bring responsibility upon themselves for what they've done, good or bad. Yeah, the problem comes when, when somebody says, wait, I didn't know that it meant... <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think you said last time, like you're you're free to do whatever you want as long as you as long as you accept the consequences. Yes, yeah. Which is which is something that I think is oftentimes overlooked, uh, or at least overlooked in the fight for something, right? And 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 is and and is part of that this thing that that we call freedom 
I don't want to use the cliche that it's not free. <laughs> but th- that it takes this, work. It's it's, it's I, it costs I, a buck oh five. I, <laughs> <laughs> labored to produce that. But that this thing that we call freedom isn't free, and that and that you have to, if you're going to claim it, you also you also have to accept the responsibility for it. You also have to accept the consequences for it. And I don't know. I I just feel like a lot of times people aren't 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 really willing to do that, or at least haven't really considered it. In some ways, in some ways, it is easier to be a slave to something than to have that freedom and to be responsible. A a really off the wall illustration would be uh, when I went from working for other people to working for myself. And all of a sudden I had the freedom to make a lot of choices that were terrifying. Yeah. And there were times, and there still have been times, that I've been like, you know, it might be nice if I didn't have to think about these things and worry about how am I going to spend our marketing budget? How am I going to do this, that, and the other thing? Just go back, build websites for somebody else, call it a day at 5 o'clock. This is not an off-the-wall argument or an (laughs) off-the-wall example. it's a perfect argument. Yeah, it's it's a great example. Awesome. Good job, Mike. Thanks. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> we got some snacks out in the car for you. <laughs> no, it's a great it's a great example because, I mean, there's plenty of people that I've talked to who have started their own business, and when you ask them, when a lot of times when I ask them, you know, why did you start your own business, they say, well, I was just tired of somebody else telling me what to do. Well, well that's that's a yeah. fair thing, right? But but like you said, like you just said, it comes with a lot of responsibility. It comes with a lot of consequences. It's the, the age-old uh, entrepreneur joke. You know, an entre- entrepreneur is somebody who uh, doesn't want to work 40 hours a week, so they work 80. <laughs> <laughs> so this is Kierkegaard. He talks about the dizziness of freedom mm. and that the extreme anxiety that most human beings are under is because they're free. This is – have you uh, – in in your ouch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. ouch right in the freedom <laughs> right in the freedom in in your circles this might not be as big a thing in in the circles that I grew up in there was a lot of like really praying and seeking to get a very clear instruction from God about certain things um, you know who should I who should I be dating what car should I buy what job should I take and I want to get very clear and and we dupe ourselves like one of the things this was so dumb that I did was I put my CD on shuffle and was like all right God if it's this option. Song three. If it's this option, option song four. And Hit of course, it'd be it. like song, song <laughs> ten would come on. And I'd be like, "That you, were you listening?" Uh, <laughs> but I think that we often want to put the responsibility for our choices back on God, and that way we don't have to worry about the consequences. It's just a matter. Well, I stepped out in faith, and God's going to do the rest. Well, it's a, it's a, it's an end around, right? It's like you're trying to flank God somehow, right? You're trying to run an end around on on God's will somehow, and say like, "Well, I was just waiting for your will, God, and you didn't, and you didn't, you didn't do anything." One of the this is the one of the weirdest experiences that I've ever had in terms of you know you talk about a white light experience. Like I've never had anything like that, but I can remember one time laboring and like agonizing over this decision I was trying to make, and I was praying in the back seat of somebody's car, and I I came to the conclusion I was like, God, I feel like maybe this is just up to me, and you know, as long as the choices are, are within your, like, boundaries, I'm good. And I opened my eyes and looked up, and a car drove past, and the license plate said, up to you. And I was like, what the? <laughs> <laughs> you can't be doing that stuff. I love, I love stuff like that. No, I mean, so 
you know, not to, to rabbit trail too much, I guess, here, but like in the Orthodox view, you'll hear a lot, you know, your priest will say, well, what do you want? Mm. And again, you know, it's, <laughs> it's like, well, and an example is, you know, when I was going through catechesis, Father Peter, the priest that was at our church at the time, he's told my story of his son. His son didn't know if he was, you know, wanted to become a monastic or if he was going to get married. Um, and so he was talking to his spiritual father, <laughs> this old monk, and the guy said, well, what do you want? He said, well, what do you, shouldn't I be looking for what God wants? He goes, well, yeah, but God's going to use the desires that you have in you. He's not, you know, if you don't have any desire or inclination whatsoever to be a monk, and probably it. <laughs> it's probably not, it's probably not what you're supposed to do. And again, you know, you're, it's that, and again, the closer that you, so we would say, the more that you grow in relationship to God, the more that your will and God's will become one. Mm. Right? So it's not that whole, you know, what do I need to do now? You know, it's, it's almost a level of immaturity, right? Because you yeah. can't, you're not thinking for yourself. God gave us the ability to reason, and he gave us, you know, enough of, you know, the broad strokes that we can pretty much like, oh, I know I shouldn't do that thing. I probably shouldn't become a hitman. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, like, so yeah, it's, it's, a, it's the paradoxical nature between freedom and submission for us. Yeah. I pulled us away from the question. I'm yeah, sorry. sorry. The, the question being, where does it come from if we're... No, no, I know that. But I was just trying to think, our, think back to where we were with the question. The question of, of does it come from a human nature? And, and I, think that we, I think that we poked that a little bit, um, at least to the point of saying, um, you know, is it, a, is, it a, is it a determinist thing? I would want to know if it, like, again, and if to bring us back to that then, like, how, if it's inherent to human nature, how did it get there? Like, is it just because... And, and are we that's the, but that's the I, I, I don't mean to simplify it, but like that's the question with any of these. Right. Well, I mean, the God one's kind of easier because if you accept that God gives it to you, it's like, well, how to get there? God did it. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> well, is it is it a, an aspect of just simply being a conscious being? I mean, is my dog free? Is my well, I don't have a dog. Are my cats free? So I think that. So last time I had I had brought up this this question of of that we I think that we need freedom in order to to conceive of ourselves as as beings, right? And I, I think that I think that that's I think that that's part of it. Like, you know, we understand that the dog exists, right? That it has some level of it has some level of consciousness, right? It has some level of understanding yeah. of its own self. They all have their own unique little personalities and things they like and pursue and don't, or I at mean, least things that we call personalities, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but we we as as people seem to experience consciousness we seem to experience being a state of being on a on a on a higher level right and i and i yeah, think i'm definitely that, not equating us to cats no no uh and it, and it's and it's sometimes confusing especially when you get so focused on the material world when you look at the animal kingdom and you say wow that looks a lot like we do mm-hmm. and so i remember seeing you know the illustration of like how a whale's flipper looks a lot like a human hand you know that it has similar bones and a similar structure to it but externally you look at a whale's flipper and you look at a human hand and you go those don't look anything like <laughs> um, but that we share some commonalities you know so you look at you look at apes you look at you look at chimpanzees and you see things that that look a little bit like human structure even a hierarchical system right um, and so you look at these things you you begin to look at the material world and you be and you begin to sort of go, oh, well, maybe we're just, maybe we're just 
just a part of that, and there's nothing else. So mm-hmm. I think that thought is what leads to oppression and totalitarianism. Because it seems to me that the people who actually really care about freedom, yeah. even if they're atheists, they're recognizing something unique and, um, dare I say, sacred in humanity. Like they're, 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 they recognize an inherent worth to human beings that force should not be used upon them, that there are, you know, there are, there are boundaries which are not made for human flourishing but for human oppression. And when you have people who don't value human life, that's like, well, line up against the wall, comrade, because <laughs> we're going to create the perfect society. Well, and, and it's, where, it's where that oppression of slavery comes from, right? Right. You know, you're just a beast of burden. Yeah, you don't have freedom because you're not even, you're not human. Yeah, you're less than. Yeah. You're less than. So, and this is a, I want, you, you, you put a, a thought came into my head when you were talking about this. And I want to, I want to poke at, at the church for a second, which I know isn't like our express purpose, but I think is something that the church needs to, needs to wrestle with that thing of saying like, do you recognize the sacredness of another human life? And that they, even if they're living their life in a, in a way that is wrong, at least according to what you think, like you kind of just sort of, it's there. Like what right do you have to stop them? I mean, especially if your relationship is just like, well, you're over there and I'm over here. Right. You know, if, if you both profess the same, the same belief system, that's a different, that's a different story, right? Because now you're, you're sort of in these two different places and you're saying like, well, I'm living my life and we together have agreed to live our lives like this. Um, while you're going to live over there with other people who live their lives like that. And so the church, I think, needs to, needs to recognize its own uh, trampling of freedom when it begins to say, this is, this is how everybody needs to, needs to be, Right. <laughs> And, be, and I don't think that the church shouldn't say this is how everybody needs to be because the church has this unique piece to it where it says, like, we've had something given to us that we think is best, that we've experienced to be best. And rather than, than, than putting that upon somebody, I think it's really more of an invitation that needs to be given. And that invitation can come in a lot of different ways, whether it be through words or whether it be through actions or showing it or something like that. But it is troubling to me when, when there seems to be an allying of the church with what could potentially become an oppressive system like the government. And that would be any government. And again, his, sorry, I know you keep wanting to go and I keep <laughs> it's going. All right, it's all but right. again, historically, like when the, when the church gets allied with, with politics, like it runs itself into problems. It stops becoming the church. It stops at, like that unique witness you talked about. And it's a fine line, right? Because we do say, you know, this is the way that we think that all people should live. Um, but it's, and we talked about this last. It is best. It is best. We talked about this. Last episode, you know, relinquishing the use of force and therefore also relinquishing the use of political force. Um, mm. Like, dare I say, the force of... The Supreme uh, Court? The force of legislation, yeah. Um, it's, and, uh, and it's, and, you know, we can get into some murky waters. But, you know, St. Paul, he was walking around Ephesus preaching the gospel 
And if we think, you know, we have a decadent society, mm. go back to Ephesus in the first century and see how decadent that, and he wasn't. Or Corinth. Yeah, or Corinth. Athens. Uh, all these places. He wasn't, you know. He wasn't fighting culture wars. He wasn't fighting culture wars. He was saying, this is the gospel. Um, and he was inviting people into it. And if they didn't want it, he would go on to the next place. Yeah. Today, I agree. I mean, it's to see, to see people who follow the Prince of Peace, supposedly follow the Prince of Peace, you know, wanting this use of force. Um, it's disturbing. It's disturbing. And uh, so I think that because I don't want us to, I don't want us to end up in this place where we're, we're just like, ah, church is bad, but church, we love it. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that the poke there for the church, at least, or for the church in America, is which is a. Are you free enough to let someone else be free? That's a really good way to put it. That's a really good way to put it. And I wonder if, I wonder if the church has has really wrestled with that question, which we're talking about here, where does it come from? Because if we begin to get focused too much on the material, we can also begin to get, get focused too much on the human side of it. And if we think that it, it comes from this, this, this human thing, then that gets flawed real quickly because we begin to just sort of put our own, our own, our own axioms out there on somebody else. We get, we begin to put our own framework of our lives onto somebody else's life. And, and, it, and it, it, I think it ultimately does come down to that, that thing that you just said, Thomas, like, are you free enough to let somebody else live their lives in freedom? And, the, and sort of as an aside, I think for the church, I think it's a faith issue. I think it's an, I think it's an issue of like, Hey church, do you, if you really believe this and if you really believe in a God who moves, then you have to, you have to believe that, that, that God will work this out and he may work it out through you, but, it's not like a determinist thing, like you were right. saying, Mike. Like it's just gonna—I'm just gonna run, run an end around around God's will. Um, but you have to—you have to accept that maybe this is this is God's stated way of going to you know, how, how God is going to work this out. What Christ said to Peter uh, in Gethsemane is what He says to all Christians: "Sheathe your sword." Yeah, I will probably get in trouble for this, but like I would argue that the with church, us or well, no, 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 not not with you guys. You okay. guys will be like. You'll, you'll nod in assent, uh, and then you'll get in trouble along with me. It's, I mean, it's right along the lines of what you've been saying, but I would, I would argue that the church, by and large, in America, needs to repent of its uh, aggressive I think that's the only way forward for the church. Yeah, absolutely. Approach to, to others. Yeah. Um, I, I had a conversation earlier today. Uh, we didn't get to follow up uh, inviting you to the handing out political information uh, around some issues. Uh, I found out that somebody that I know is going to be there as part of, you know, it's kind of part of this thing uh, who's just, who's absolutely dehumanizes anybody who disagrees with them. And I said, I can't be a part of this. Uh, you know, I, I, if, if we as Christians are dehumanizing people on the other side of a, of a social issue, we're missing the point. I can't, I can't be a part of that Yeah. as much as I may believe in the issue itself. And so... And so again, the working out of the freedom thing is where we bump into all of these problems with it. This right. is this is why, this is why when we started off with this, I was I was very wondering. I was very troubled by how the heck do we work this out? Because it seems like it's one of the things that uh, that just becomes really really difficult to really really difficult to work it out. 
I affirm that we have freedom. I affirm that it exists. I, we've talked about, I think it does come from a divine place. Uh, I think that it is something that is inherent to us. And I think that, I think that those three things, it, it, it comes into play in different places there. And I think it's difficult. So, so what I think we're just with that a digression to the church. Yeah. <laughs> we call that to an end. Or just for a moment. Well, no, I think we'll just, I'm just going to circle right back I'll to because yeah. I think it fits in perfectly. And, you know, for whatever Christians out there, I hope they listen. And whoever's not a Christian, I hope you're still with us. Uh, <laughs> I'll hope that non Christians are probably cheering us on. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, what we're talking about is what we were talking about last time with that, with that call to the church is the common humanity. Yeah. Mm. Right. And, and, and again, I would hope because you, you know, how did you just say it? Which part? Regardless of like the different, oh, you said it, Mike, you know, how much you disagree with an issue. Oh, right. You don't agree with demonizing the person on the other side of that issue. And that's what we miss, I think, across the board um, with this talk about freedom is we have this common humanity and we're going to have all these places that we are across the spectrum of that common humanity. And we're going to disagree. Yeah. But can we find, you know, people are going to disagree with us as Christians. Absolutely. And for me, it's like, okay, but can we at least... We're not called to hate the enemy. Right, exactly. But but could you maybe not try to force me to live differently? If I can say, I don't want to force you to live differently, can you extend that to me? So so one of the things... Which again would take... Yeah, so hang on, because one... I, let me try and keep my train of thought on the rails. <laughs> One of the things that you said last time, Mike, when we talked about fighting for freedom is you said, would we be willing to sacrifice for it? And so take that thought with what you just said, Thomas, about don't try to force your way of living on me, right? Which is a valid thing to say and is a valid thing for any Christian to say. Um, and so is there is there a coming together of that sacrifice for freedom's sake that is applied to ourselves where we can say to somebody like you're you want to tell me how to live and does that le- and, and does that sacrifice to that external thing that somebody is going to put on us leave us with nothing but that internal state of freedom does that make sense to that metaphysical sense of freedom right because I think that this is something that, I think that this is something that, you know, the church in oppressed places has to deal with. That while we may live, while the church may live in some oppressive places where it's not allowed to gather, it's not allowed to sing, it's not allowed to, you know, do a number of different things. Where even the even the book itself, the holy book for Christians, is is outlawed. It still has to find this place of its relationship with God, and and find its freedom there. And one of the things that I was thinking about when it came to freedom, and I don't think we've brought it up yet, but I th- poverty gives us a little, bit of a, a little bit of a piece of this. Because oftentimes in the West, we think of poverty as being, uh, we, don't have some, we don't have some material resource, right? right? Right. It's a lack. It's a lack. Yeah. And when you ask people who are in poverty, they're response to to you know the question of what is poverty doesn't necessarily it, it, it's still related to a lack but
but it really is a lack of choice or a lack of power or a lack of ability to able to, to be able to, to determine their own lives, right? Yes. So poverty, in a sense, kind of becomes like the antithesis of freedom. I think poverty is a, f- a form of oppression. Yeah. I really, I, I mean, I, so. So that, so that leads me to, okay, so t- kind of coming back around, and I think this, I hope that this sort of spring, springboards us into that, into that question of does freedom come from God, right? Lacking, lacking worldly freedom in my relationships with other people, in my relationship with my state, are we simply left with that metaphysical state of freedom? I think we are, and I want to tie that to what you were saying to the church. Especially, so when, when the, the material or whatever social freedom is lacking, the only place that you have left is that internal freedom, right? That state of being where it's like, you know, I will be at peace. I will be free. I will not let this corrupt me. I wonder in, if that's all... I think that has to be true also for someone who is secular or atheists. And that, and that is where you, they as well will relinquish force and be okay with people who live differently than them. If there's a, a state of being which can be achieved in inside, right? So that the world does not now have to be shaped to the image of an ideology. I'm thinking about it. Can you give me, uh, or maybe I can try to restate back to you in a, a practice type of sense. So uh, let's, I'll just avoid hot topic issues for now and say there's a secularist who believes that nobody should have beards. And yeah, I mean, super weird, but uh, who has the power to influence government to say beards are, are illegal. And you're saying they sh- that they can achieve a, a state of internal freedom where they can believe that themselves and they can shave their beards, but you will not have to shave your beard. <laughs> well, I mean, I will do a hot bush. And hot, sir, I'm okay, gonna, yeah, I, go for it. Go so, for it. Well, you know, Thomas will wade right in. I'm going to wade right in. Martin Luther King. Okay. All right. I would say the reason, you know, and I'm, I'll probably, you know, people, I don't know. I probably have no right to say this. Uh, but I think one of the reasons that he led a whole people to greater freedom is because he was already free. Internally. Internally. Mm. And I think that's why he could say don't, even in the face of, you know, these horrible people, like releasing dogs and fire hoses and jailing them and spitting on them and dehumanizing them. He's like, don't fight back. Mm. Because you know what? You're just going to show that they're monsters. And he was free enough and led, I think he led people to that same type of inner freedom that then it radiated outwards. Yeah. I, th- I think, you know, if he had said, you know, we're going to, these people who are trying to oppress us, we're going to fight back and crush them. Then, then he would have been crushed because the world was a pile of, well, a bigger pile of garbage than it currently is. Um, and he had that inside of him, and it yeah. radiated outwards as peace and love and a refusal to hate. And yeah, I don't think you can do that unless it's something inside of you. 
And I think that's, I mean, that's his witness to the entire world. That was Gandhi's witness. You know, I mean, how did, <laughs> like, that, that it's, it, I mean, come on. I mean, those two men had yeah. reached a place inside of them where they were free enough to relinquish violence. So when you look at the words of Christ saying, when you're slapped, turn the other cheek, that's a matter of freedom. That's a matter of freedom. That's a matter of freedom more than a matter of morality, maybe. I absolutely. I, it's it because what? So the, the fight or flight response, right? Fight, mm. flight, freeze are all unconscious reactions. And Christ says, no, 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 no. Don't fight. Don't run. Don't freeze. Turn the other cheek. So it's really interesting because in that, I think you're right about the freedom piece with Martin Luther King Jr. And again, you know, what right do any of us have to say? But looking at it, he gave up something, right? So he gave up, in a sense, <laughs> in a sense, his right to, to resist. Yeah. At least, in a, at least in a violent nature. And to accept accept a resistance of a nonviolent nature, right? And I think that there's an argument to be made that that was a moral choice. And so in making that decision, in pursuing that, in, in, in pursuing what it was that they were trying to accomplish through that, through that means, right, that, that he was trying to accomplish through that means, he was sort of accepting a greater rule. Does that make sense? He was, yeah, he was binding himself to something higher. Yeah. 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 Which is... So he was free to be bound. What's that? I said, so he was free to be bound. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Yeah. Free to free be to, bound. Free to choose his binding. He was also free to not... Choose, choose in a sense, I think, of I can do no other. <laughs> <laughs> well... I, I like it. His namesake... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but choosing that but choosing that sense right right uh, of saying I'm if I'm who so I am it, well not just not just convicted but who I am because I think that that's that 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 point of of inner freedom that you're talking about like the the person that he was the relationship that he had with 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 God was who he was mm. and, 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 and who God had made him to be. So how could he deny his nature? How could he deny the nature? And, and, and for those of you out there, you know, we can, we can argue on the after hours podcast about whether that was Martin Luther King Jr.'s nature or the nature that, that perhaps God had implanted within him and, and given to him. Right. But the nature that he had in that moment, again, here, here I am. What other way can I choose? Yeah. And so, you know, is it a choice? Yes. Is it not a choice? Yes. It's not a choice. <laughs> it's a choice. It, it is a choice because, because, because the other option is there, but it's not a choice in the sense where, where he says, this is the right way to go, which is that moral argument, which is, again, the freedom thing. Like, we do bind ourselves. We are free to be bound, and we will bind ourselves to something or other, whether, and, and again, like I'd said earlier, I really do. I think that in some ways it's easier to be bound to something than it is to accept 
that's, that accept the responsibility for that freedom. Mm-hmm. So it's easier, it's easier to, to just be under this rule and just say, okay, like, I mean, because, and, and to just accept it and to say, you know what? I've had all as I, all as I can stand. I can't, I can stand no more. Right. And to say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna organize a rebellion. Yeah. I mean, that takes, that takes courage and that takes an accepting of a responsibility for something. Right. But in some ways you, you begin to say, I don't know. Am I willing to do that? Am I willing to accept that, that my freedom might, might, might come with that? You know, this is why Nietzsche said, be careful when you fight monsters, lest you become one. Yeah. You know, because yeah. it's so easy to become corrupted and I become everything I've ever hated. Yes, <laughs> you are supposed to destroy the Sith. <laughs> Careful, can we make references like that without? Oh yeah, oh yeah, but yeah. Well, once we start playing audio clips, then we might be in trouble. <laughs> yeah. but... Okay, 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 okay. Yes. We're, we're we're still new to this. So. Well, well, that I mean, I think that comes back to like what you see within the church and the culture wars and things like that. The church. And, and many people that we know personally, they, they had good intentions and that they wanted to stand up for what was right, but mm. eventually have become so rabid about the issues that they've staked the flag on that you know, they're, they're just mowing people down. I mean, not literally, hopefully not mowing people down in reality, but willing to just trample people for the sake of what they, of the, their issue. It's... <laughs> I, I just keep coming back to that idea of, of, of common humanity. And we, and I just think we've lost that all over the place, not just in the church. Right. We just, we just continue in our little groups, which uh, there's nothing wrong with these little micro communities. Or, right. You know, there's, there, there's nothing wrong with finding your tribe. What's wrong is when you go to wage war on the other tribe. Right. You know, and we don't, we're not recognizing, you know, with abortion, we see that and we say, you know, that's wrong. Um, and then we, and then that woman is attacked. Like, and we don't see the whole life that led up to that point or the heartbreak and making the decision. And it's like, well, maybe instead of picketing and yelling, like, I don't know, found a crisis pregnancy center. Take your money out of your pocket and help her. One of the things... To your, to your point about the, to your point about it, right? Like, put your money where your mouth is. I mean, that's essentially what you're saying, yeah. right? With the abortion issue, we we insert a lot of emotion there. We we insert a lot of emotion to these to these issues, um, which again, I think is I think is an argument to say like how much, or at least ask the question of like, well, how much freedom do you really have? Because when your emotions become so overwhelming, you you, you do have to begin to ask yourself. Am I really being rational about this? Am I really thinking about this? Or am I just, you know, built up over some, some emotional response, uh, which I think is, is, it is more than just a chemical response, right? I mean, that, that emotion comes from a place. Uh, but but we, we put a lot of emotion into these things, and, and that's, that ends up blinding us. And, and I had that happen over this past week with, some, with dealing with my, uh, with my family some, um, because we had a death in our family, and it brought up a whole ton of emotion, for everybody involved, and 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 there were some things that I, I I really felt like each of us didn't see and and sort of ignored, and I think a lot of that came from just the emotion that was involved, um, and and these issues are hugely 
they they have so many emotions. That's why I mean, built like, into them. That's why again I come back to you know the interstate, right? Like, because because those yeah because I mean that's what we see like even with the you know the, with the abortion is a great one. It's like well you're murdering babies. Well you're taking away my freedom. Right, and we're gonna now we like we're both sides. We're both just so. We're not even having the same conversation. We're really. not having the same conversation, and, yeah. and we're mean, dehumanizing each other on either side. It's funny because you said dehumanizing, you almost said demonizing. Yeah, it's <laughs> the same, same, same thing. Very, yeah, really. yeah, that's why. That's but why I said it's funny. There's no, there's no level level headedness. There's no, there's no loudly level headed. There's no people. loudly level headedness, man. <laughs> and there's no, I mean, where's the love? Especially, you know. I'm sorry, but like I have to talk from the Christian side because that's you know where I am. Like, those people they, they they need help, and also I mean maybe we should talk about the fact that uh, you know paid maternity leave, uh, help with food, diapers, all that that's super expensive. Now I'm just I keep can't now the seals <laughs> off. I'm sorry, um, <laughs> because it's an emotional subject. It is and, because it's an emotional subject, and you know and I fall in the trap too. But we're not trying to create. We're not trying to create a system where that woman feels free enough to have that child. So there's this this woman, Frederica Matthew Green, who's an Orthodox uh, Christian writer, and um, you know this meme gets shared all the time on both, like, and a lot by the people on the pro-choice side. And she said in a book that she wrote about abortion, um, a woman has an abortion like an animal caught in a trap gnaws off its leg. Mm. And she wasn't doing that, you know, to support, you know, the act of abortion. She was doing that to understand the mentality that is going into these choices, which we don't recognize the pain and suffering that is going into a lot of these choices. So that's one of the things. We sort of joked, right? Like, don't kill your children last time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but hang on, because I think we, we here are all parents of multiple children, right? Which means we're better parents than other, other parents who just have one child. Oh, oh boy. Way oh boy. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. I'm Indubitably. Talking. We I'm definitely tr- have more patience and we have uh, way more last threads. That's <laughs> definitely the case. <laughs> Anyways, my, my point is, is, that, is that we have some experience with, with, being, with being parents. And, and I, would, I would venture to say that one of the things just in our common humanity that restricts our freedom, one of the biggest things in our lives that restricts our freedom in our common humanity is children. Oh yeah, and so to to that degree, in a sense, I I sort of applaud the pro-choice people who are like my freedom. I'm like, yeah, because a child restricts your freedom immensely, immensely. It's not just the delivery. At least they're honest about what they care about more. Well, I, mean, I disagree with. Yeah, I mean, we can disagree the mentality, with that. But but like, but the issue the issue of saying like, do you know what a child means? Like, yeah, I do know what a child means. But you I, do know, know, I do know that it means that like, I set myself aside, and, and, I, and I get it. Like Maybe not everybody's ready for that. I don't know too many people that are ready for it. I, it, is a, it is a process. It is something that, that I'm sure that you two guys can, can affirm for me. Like You learn every day. You learn every day just how much like I need to set myself aside 
for the sake of my children. And I don't, I don't rise to that occasion every time. No, in, in no way, shape, or form do I rise to that occasion every time. I'm left wanting. There are some days when I go to bed going, oh, at least tomorrow's another day. Some days when we have to edit the... <laughs> edit the audio track edit the audio track <laughs> but we don't get to unfortunately no. with our kids like those yeah. words come right out of our they tumble right out of our mouths you know and then we're left going oh please don't bring that up in therapy later on <laughs> so well, bring, are, well no go ahead i was gonna i was just gonna as a as an aside like um something that is not common in in parenting but like those are great opportunities to genuinely like come to a, a child and show them what penance looks like what repentance looks like yeah. and say yeah. hey yeah. I did this. I said these things to you, and this was wrong. Will you forgive me? And um, I've talked to parents who are like, I can't say that to my kid. It'll give them power over me. And uh, one friend uh, in particular, you know, we kind of went back and forth on that. Try it, try it, just try it. And he tried it, and he came back and was like, dude, that, that actually went really well. Uh, and I'm not saying, like, I do that. I do not do that all the time. I mean, even last night, uh, like... I probably still need to go home and apologize to my oldest for the way. Like, why are you out of bed again? Um, <laughs> Never-ending question. So, yes. <laughs> so to circle us back to freedom, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that that idea of of children um, being a restriction on freedom, we're inherently, and I don't know if necessarily if that is correct. Because the presupposition in that statement, which I myself have thought many times. I don't fully believe it. Right. So is that, <laughs> like, the less bounds upon me, the more free I am? No. No. Because I think the amazing thing about children is that the more that you set aside for them, the more that you find something fulfilled within yourself. So that's why I wanted to bring it back. So not, like, to the conversation of freedom in general. Right. We haven't hit the third one. We haven't even hit the third one. Wait, the third one. Does where does freedom come from? Where does freedom come? Oh, from? oh! I guess I saw the we're crossover at, between the two. That. So we're probably gonna have to have like a part three. We knew we were gonna, we're gonna have that. So, we knew we were. So gonna. then let's just finish this rabbit trail. Then. <laughs> All right, go for it. So. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, what boundaries are actually necessary for freedom? That was the question. That's the question. Yeah. Yeah. Is there an inversion to that that is, is freedom always the right or the best thing to have? Oh, I wanted you to say, <laughs> I don't know what <laughs> I wanted you to say. Why did you say what we wanted you <laughs> to say? I don't know. <laughs> Mike, come I, on. I, I dropped my script. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't have script. Um, <laughs> is freedom... Is freedom the right to be, to be bound? No, that wasn't what I wanted you to say. Anyways, <laughs> let's ignore that for a moment. And what? Repeat your repeat your proposition again. I almost said premonition. <laughs> what boundaries are are necessary for freedom? Necessary for freedom. Thank you. Because, are there boundaries that are necessary for freedom? And so that was that was something that that we had brought up when we were talking. Uh, before before we started recording about can we maybe understand freedom a little bit better by the boundaries that we that we place upon it right is that fair is that is that where you're going with that i was thinking more of in like a flourishing okay like so like with the children thing 
Well, I think that's where it. I think that's right. where it ends up. Yeah. I think. I think that. I think that's where it, the flourishing thing is. Is is where I think those boundaries ends up. And 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 pr- I would suspect that 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 others when they would would see that in their own lives as well. Like there's a level of of ignorance of myself <laughs> that I had <laughs> before I had kids. And again, and even with you know the boundaries that I face by willingly submitting to, you know, the church. And, you know, anyone can just, like, Google orthodoxy and see the stuff that is expected of um, a member. Like, I find, I find freedom and flourishing in that. I find that I have, because I get to know more about myself. With the unbounded, with unbounded uh, will, with lacks of restraint, I don't really have to know too much about who I am. I can just, you know, I can act on whim, I can act on desire, I can act on passion, and I'm not really free from those things because I just follow them like a dog chasing a car. Could we say that Could we say that you you know something about yourself but it doesn't leave you room to consider what you what you learn about yourself? Like in a, in being unbounded and just just pursuing those desires, like you just said, like a dog chasing a car, right? Like, yeah, you learn about yourself that you like to chase cars. It certainly doesn't leave me any room to be different than that. And that's so you kind of end up being a slave to those things. Yeah, yeah. And I, that's the weird thing about it. That's uh, it's the weird thing that when we when we look at our our own human nature. It's easy to see why why somebody would go with a deterministic point of view, right? And say that it's just it's just biological, it's just environmental. Because because there's a lot of evidence to point to that. What's the evidence that doesn't point to that? And I would argue that it would be the spiritual. Because the spiritual generally calls you to something higher, calls right. you to a to a, a way of life, a framework of life that is that is not bound simply by those desires, that is not bound simply by your environment or, uh, or your culture or your society uh, that you know, tells you these things, but calls you to something higher. And I think, that, I think that in parenting, you oftentimes find that there, is something, that there is something bigger, there's something higher that you get called to, uh, that you have to, in a way, become a servant of. And I don't mean that we become servants of our children, I mean, that, well, we've probably all said it to our kids, like, you know, I'm doing this for you, right? (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing this for your own good. (laughs) It hurts me more than it hurts you, but I'm doing it for your own good. Yeah. And I wonder, you know, I was thinking about that. (laughs) We're trying to help our children flourish. Now, when you look at the state, right? and the, res- the restrictions the state places upon people. Ideally, right, in our system in America, it was supposed to be for human flourishing. But the weird thing is, is that the more, let's say, childish we become as people, the more that we be- become demanding our own wants all the time. The larger the state has to grow to regulate a million different desires and a million different cries, but I want this and I want it now. Mm. And, you know, 
It's like, what was the character in uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? Veruca. Veronica. Veruca. Veruca? I think that was her name. Veruca Salt. Veruca. Oh, yeah, yeah. I use Morton's. <laughs> it's less demanding. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's take a moment here. So we've considered this question of where does freedom come from? We've presented three options, which I think are, are interrelated in a lot of different ways, at least in the working out of them. But where does this freedom come from? Does it come from a materialistic? Does it come from a state? Does it come from something like that? Does it come from a human nature? Is it something that is inherent to ourselves? Or does it come from a different place, from a, what we would call a divine place? Uh, and constant listener, I think that you're probably aware now like where our own backgrounds where our own axioms lie and we've, we're trying to be open and honest about that uh, and yet and yet also invite you into this conversation um, because we three here don't hold exactly to the same views about a lot of different things uh, and I we hope that that is our greater strength that we can that we can engage in this process of dialogue because of that it seems like just by the clock on the wall that we need to come to a close for right now and we need to put some things on pause so that we can come to our next episode. Is that clock right there correct? Yeah, I think so. The one on the on the computer screen? Uh, you mean the episode timer? Or the timer. The, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so we're about yeah, an we're, hour, we're well hour and 20 minutes into it. We're well into it here, and so we, we, should, we should draw ourselves to a close. But I think that we have a place for our for our continuing dialogue to go to as we continue to poke this axiom of freedom and to go and ask ourselves that question of, okay, if it comes from God, if it comes from a divine place, what does that mean for us? And related to that teaser here, I think that that means that we have to look at the question of how do we bound our freedom? How do we put some boundaries upon our freedom? Um, because, because otherwise we just have chaos we just have chaos. Kind of like the last like 10, 15 minutes of that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to put a little edit in uh, about 15 minutes before this and say, why don't you go to the last 30 seconds of this? <laughs> <laughs> we have enjoyed our time here today, and we hope that you, Constant Listener, have enjoyed your time listening to us. We thank you for being with us. This is uh, What Would You Do If We Poked You in the Axiom? What Would You Do If We Poked You in the Axiom is hosted by Malcolm Fowler, Thomas Barton, and Mike Dion. Show notes are by Malcolm Fowler. Music by Mike Dion. This episode was recorded at the podcasting studio in the Black River Innovation Campus located in Springfield, Vermont, and is sponsored by Indelible Inc., demystifying the web and digital marketing for your business. 